Welcome to the Hiker Trash Podcast. This is a project of Local Exposure Magazine. My name is Ronnie Pettit, and I'm your host. The Hiker Trash Project began with my curiosity about why people through hike the Appalachian Trail, or any long trail. I wondered why they do it, what they gain from it, and how that experience might manifest itself in their life after the trail. I spent an entire year following, photographing, and interviewing through hikers on the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine and all the way back to Georgia. I put all that, those interviews and photographs, into a 200-page coffee table book. And now we're going to continue the project as a podcast. So listen along as we track down some of the people we met along the way and interview new hikers and find out, did that experience change them or... Did it simply provide the context to reveal who they already are? You can find out more about Local Exposure Magazine on the internet at localexposuremagazine.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at local.exposure.magazine. The intro music for today's episode was provided by Scott Lowe. He's a Northeast Georgia-based singer-songwriter. You can find him on Instagram at Songs. On today's episode, we are in Crusoe, North Carolina, which is probably not even on your map, with Neo. Say hello, Neo. What's going on? Hey, man, let's crack open this beer. Let's do it. PBR, baby. Only the best. (sighs) Nice. Mm. Tastes like like a dive bar. (laughs) It's not as cold as I thought it'd be, considering it's just been sitting outside and below freezing temperatures. Yeah, it is cold today, man. It is very cold. And the low's going to be like zero, below zero here. So, Neo, what's your what's your um, government name? Griffin Nakovich is, Na- is my name. Nakovich. Nakovich. All right, so tell me about your trail name. So, my trail name is Neo. I got my trail name after trail days. It was, um, well, first, because that's kind of a long time. It was like 470 miles until yeah, I, I got my that. trail name. People thought Griffin was my trail name. because <laughs> <laughs> Like Peter Griffin or something? <laughs> no, no, because uh, like the mythical creature, you know, oh. like the lion and the eagle. It's like the li- no, eagle head and the lion body. Okay. Like the ink, so like I would like meet people and they'd be like, "Oh, that's such a sick trail name." And you should like, get a tattoo. I know, I know. <laughs> so like, I remember like calling my mom and be like, "Mom, you gave me such a cool name," because <laughs> <laughs> people think that's my trail name. But um, all right, so Neo. So I stayed. I I walked into trail days, and I walked into trail days, and I stayed there uh, four days, like the whole length. I think mm-hmm. I got there Thursday. Um, Did you hike in? Like organically mm, yeah. to the festival? Yeah. Did you plan that? Or? No. That's so cool. No. So um, I started April 16th and uh, let's see. I didn't hear about trail days till it was Roan Roan Mountain. 
And like all these people were like, oh, we're going to walk into trail days. Like, it's going to be sick. I was like, what's trail days? <laughs> you know, and I've been to Damascus before. Like, it's a cool town. Like, so I knew, like, I was like super excited about it. But now they're talking about this huge festival of like hikers and tent yeah. city and the woods, you know. <laughs> and we're the star of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, we're like the, we're the star. I was like, oh, this sounds sick. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. Like, let's try to like walk into it. Like, I think I had to do 16 miles a day. Take it to get there, um, and I ended up doing it. It was awesome. So once you realized that you were about on schedule, you like did the math backwards. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we're gonna do sixteen miles a day. And yeah, and you know, there. I didn't do sixteen miles a day. It never works out <laughs> that way. Like I had to do uh, thirty miles and then twenty-seven to walk in, and I did it. I just kind of wanted that challenge. Like so, on uh, Thursday or yeah, Wednesday? Yeah, Thursday. Nice. Um, okay, back to your trail name. Back to the trail name. So uh, we walked, we were a little hungover, and we walked like a whopping two miles uh, on the Creeper Trail. We did the Creeper Trail, and there's a bunch of guys just standing by like this creek, and everyone was trying to throw rocks across the creek to get it in this hole. And, you know, just typical guy stuff, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, like those memes, like, yeah. he's probably thinking about another girl, and he's trying to throw rocks into a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, like, we show up, like, they got, like, beers in the creek, like, cooling it down. After we just partied all weekend, it's like, two miles, beers in the creek, let's throw rocks in this hole. So they, like, show up, they're like, Griffin, what's up, dude? So we're, like, we're, like, hanging out, and then I go up, like, let me give it a shot. First try. Boom, right in the hole. And this guy uh, named Viking goes with like a heavy Boston accent. He's like, whoa, dude, you're Neo. You're the one. Like from the Matrix? <laughs> from the Matrix. So he's like, I mean, they've, I don't know how long they've been trying to throw this rock in the hole, but like, they're like, you're the one, man. He's like, and he's like, that's your trail name. And I was like, at that point, it's been 470 miles. I'm like, just give me one. So I was like, let's do it. That's funny. Yeah. You're the one. Yeah, like, you're, you're the, the chosen one. one. <laughs> Like, before that, though, uh, I mean, I guess because people thought Griffin was your trail name, nobody really tried to pin something else on you? Yeah, because I hadn't really been hiking with a trambler or anything at that point. I was on and off with, like, uh, one guy um, that I've known. And so, I mean, I was pretty much by myself walking, so I never really told anyone anyways. Was this your first long, extended backpacking adventure? Uh, yes. The longest I ever went was about 75 miles. So kind of, I mean, 75 miles is a pretty good amount. Yeah. That's a week or more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back then. How did hiking the AT or the Appalachian Trail? Yeah. I always ask people this. Do you say Appalachian? Oh, Appalachia, dude. Okay. I mean, like, I... I, (laughs) Considering where we are, yeah, like we're Southern Appalachia, like it's yeah. the only, it's the only way. Yeah, you don't want to come off like a Yankee. Yeah, no, no. But I think like I, I love that. That's what I said. I loved. It. So, one of the reasons why I wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail was, you know, to, these are my home mountains. Like I wanted to like get that deeper like connection to them. So being able to go from Southern Appalachia to up north and the Appalachian Mountains up there, and you know, like hearing everyone say like. What are you, Alicia? Appalachian. Appalachian? <laughs> I get Appalachian. I'll usually tell people that if I'm talking about the mountain or the region, I say Appalachia. Yeah. But in the past, I know that 
like if I'm talking about the trail, I know that I've said Appalachian. And then I think I'm confused. I mean, I, my, I have this, uh, net, well, I'm self-conscious now. It's like, oh, you better say Appalachian. Yeah, I think some people like are very serious about it. <clears throat> yeah, the T-shirt at Trail Days had it spelled out. I saw out, it. I know? saw that. Yeah, and I was like, ooh, I better, <laughs> I better be careful. But what was um, so what was going on in your life that you decided wanted to needed this big grand adventure to begin with? Um, so I graduated college. I was a finance major at University of Tennessee, and I moved back home to be an insurance agent. And I did that for about a year and a half when I realized I was like, man, like, I need to be outside. Like, this isn't me. Like, I had always had that, like, you know, be outside, like, kind of guy, like, backpacking. Like, I've been backpacking for quite a while. Um, So I was like, I need to do something to change this up like figure out what I need to do. Like a reset button? Pretty much, yeah. Like did I knew you, like I needed to turn the page and, you know, a new chapter. Okay. Did you um did you kind of go through college and finance major and insurance agent just kind of um cuz you thought that's what you were supposed to be doing, yeah. kind of like the the without thinking career path? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And then like my senior year of college, it's like I was so in deep, I feel like, you know, with that major. But, I mean, also, like, having a business degree major could be very broad. Yes. So, I, I mean, I was like, I might as well just stick with it. Yes. But, I mean, still to this day, I'm still not too sure, you know, where it's the next, you know, where it's going to be next for career-wise. Um, yeah. Um, what about, like, preparation for the trail? Did you train... Did you already know what kind of gear to get, or did did you kind of start from scratch on that? I kind of, so I backpack, I feel like, often, I would say. Um, I slowly would build up gear over the years, like, getting, like, really, like, good stuff. and Ultralight stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, pretty, I, I don't know why we're laughing at that, but <laughs> I, well, it's true though. I mean, like, yeah, like I was buying, like you know, guys. I want to be a light, as light as I can. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like I guess yeah. that's what I tell people. Is you know, I have zero ultralight gear because when I got all my gear, there were no ultralight options. Mm-hmm. And I know people kind of go back and forth, but like, oh, or you know, judgment wise on people. But it's like, hey, if I could have gotten something lighter, I would have. Yeah, you know, but still, the um, people have been hiking the AT in about six months, no matter how much weight they carry. You know, Very true, light to heavy. So, on the one hand, it doesn't matter. On the other hand, if you have access to the light stuff, I say go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was about like September of 2022. I. Figured out, like, I was done, you know, didn't want to do insurance anymore. So I asked, I took two weeks off work, and I went to Italy to do a hike called the Altavia 1. And it's about, it's the 75 miles. So it's 75 miles in the Dolomite Mountains. Okay, cool. And, dude, it's, it's like, legit. Like, people need to, like, look into it, like, more. It is unreal. 
And I always like say this, I think like through hiking is just the best way to experience a place. Yeah. Like and see a place like with the people, it's so authentic and stuff. So is that where you were telling me earlier that you carried a camera and yeah. it broke? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you fly, you fly into Venice, flew into Venice, took a bus up um, to Belluno and I started the hike uh, there northbound. And the very first day I was on trail, yeah, I got caught in a hell storm. <laughs> and I had like, I was like, you know, people have the camera, a little strap. Yeah, thing yeah. Put? So I had that and it started to rain. So then I just tucked my camera inside of my rain jacket thinking that'd be okay. And I didn't know it was in there. Unbuckled my waist belt and it fell and dropped on the ground. And oh. Yeah. That was toast after that. I think it's pretty cool that you're a young dude that's using film cameras. How'd you get, it's kind of a sidebar, but how'd you get interested in in film cameras, yeah. Um, my sophomore year of college summer, I went on a solo backpacking trip abroad. I was in India and Thailand for about two months, and once I got back, I was like, "Man, like, I really wish I documented that a little bit, like, different instead of having my phone camera." And there was one guy that I met who carried around like a camera, you know, and he'd be so like. It would having that camera, I think, was a tool for him to go out to like meet these people and take pictures of like, you know, people on landscapes. It was like, like an icebreaker tool. Yeah, 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 yeah like exactly like that. So, um, and I would been I've been fly fishing, so I wanted to take some like fishing like photos when I was out and about on my trips. And I kind of, I kind of want to say I'm a man of like process. Like I like things that are like kind of slow, and you know, film film is slow. Mm. And it has that process to it. Uh, so that's kind of what sparked my interest. And I started getting into it that way, just right. watching YouTube and stuff. Yeah, I feel that. I've, I love the whole process as much as I do is the, you know, yeah. the final photograph. But do you, so do you send film off to a lab to get developed or do you try to develop yourself? Uh, I've never developed myself. I just typically go locally to a film, film lab um, and do that, yeah. Are you shooting color film or black and white? Recently black and white because that's what I could afford. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, dude, it is not that hard to develop. If you ever want to kind of start doing it yourself, I can show you how to develop your black and white film at home and then use a film scanner to scan it to a digital file. Then you can do whatever with it. I'd, I'd love to do that. I don't know if like... If it's different film labs are different, but sometimes I take my film and I'm like, I swear I shot this perfect, great exposure, like, and everything. And like, it comes back and it's, it doesn't look good. Mm. And I don't know if it's them when they're scanning it or if that's, but if you send it off to like a professional lab, you know, not around here, uh, they probably do a lot better job. But when you send it to like the like drugstore, Walmart or whatever, it just goes through a mass thing at, at, the most common settings and uh, it's kind of hit or miss. They don't, they don't put, they don't put any individual attention into do it at all. Ben, I wish I could have carried a film camera up and down the AT. So that's why I admired you. That's kind of like, I guess how I got to know who you were. Cause I saw you at Troll Days and I saw your film cameras and I was like, what's this guy doing? Like, let's go talk to this guy. And yeah. I, I got one of your books. It's like, it's so cool. I mean, I love that. Like you're doing like the story of it. It's incredible. Yeah, that's cool. So maybe, uh, maybe on your next adventure, 
you know, carry uh, carry some black and white film. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> getting like a point and shoot. Oh yeah, they're yeah. great. The like the the old Nikon yep. or Canon point and shoots are really good quality. It's just that you can't focus anything closer than like thirty nine inches. Otherwise, the quality is really good. Heck, you could even mail the film back to me if you want to, and I'll develop them for you. Yeah. Well, I think what's kind of like funny is I think I started the trail with way less stuff than, you know, most people, you know, they take stuff away, make their pack lighter. Mm -hmm. Like I started with such little stuff and I realized like I wanted to add stuff. Like what? So, well, I I did start the uh, the trail with a backpacking chair. So I did keep that along the way, even though like my weight's like low. Like I, I don't know off the top of my head what my base weight is. I think it's like 11 pounds, 12 pounds. Wow. But I wanted to add that. And then now I got like, I joined the fanny pack gang. <laughs> and now it's just like, oh, I could put like a point and shoot film camera in there That's now funny. too. So like I want to just like add other stuff to just like. It's almost like through hiking made fanny packs cool again. I, it, I think so. Because before, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that long ago the only people wearing fanny packs were middle-aged dads in khaki shorts and white shoes trying to hide their little concealed carry gun or something <laughs> in their wallet <laughs> they're very they're very practical yes on the trail so let's go back we kind of went down a rabbit hole <laughs> but uh in terms of you you said that you had a, a fair amount of backpacking experience and kind of knew what you needed did you have to go down the youtube university rabbit hole that a lot of people did yeah yeah okay i did like on what kind of things were you learning from there um i switched like switching from like a sleeping bag to quilt was like the best thing i feel like i ever did just you know looking at new tents i mean i didn't have the best gear when i was backpacking but like i said i was building it up along the way so i mean i was really researching you know tents and the quilts. Those were like the two. And like trail runners. I didn't know like that was a thing. Oh, yeah. 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 I never knew people hiked in trail runners. Yeah. They didn't used to, but I think <laughs> what I've learned is your shoes are dictated by the weight on your back. So with the lighter weight on the back, the trail runners are like the perfect choice for that, yeah. I think. What kind of tent did you end up with? Uh, I was using the Z-Pax duplex. So like I went with like the nice, nice one. Did that, because um, that's a single wall, waterproof. Yeah. Did you have issues with condensation on the inside? Um, Maybe a couple times. Was it enough to, like, say crap? No. No. I think if any time that tent failed, it was user error. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have some issues in the beginning, like getting it set up correctly? or? No, because I, I, like, spent, like, a day just practicing it. You know? Nice. Did you go out in the yard and mm-hmm. set it up and pretend? Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. I, I I do that with cameras too. I'll I was like around. I was like timing myself like just to see oh. how fast I could like set it up. I don't know. I was bored. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what about the quilt? What about a quilt is better than a sleeping bag for you? Um, I used a twenty degree uh, quilt. Um, I think being able to like regulate the temperature, like I I used that the whole entire time. And during the summer, I could you know like since it's like a blanket, I just use it as a blanket during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, packed super light, which I guess a sleeping bag would too. But uh, I'm a side sleeper, and the quilt was like so massive, so I could use it. It just felt like a blanket, you know, with a foot box. What what brand? Uh, Enlightened Equipment, the Revelation, I think. Okay. Yeah. I uh. 
I don't want to make this about me, but I use a down sleeping bag when it's cold, like a Mountain Hardware zero degree. But I always sleep with it unzipped like a quilt. Part of the reason is I have my dog, and he's he's under there as well, and he gets up and down a lot. But the thing I like about the sleeping bag unzipped is it has a foot box. So I shove my feet down in the foot box, so that keeps it on me. And then it has a hood, so if it does get colder, if he's moving around, I can kind of have my feet in the box at the bottom and my head in the hood. That kind of keeps it on me, and then it's you know laid out flat like a blanket. Mm-hmm. Does the does the quilt have any kind of like foot or hood? My uh my quilt was so big that like it would I could cover my whole entire like face, so I could put it like over me like it was like a hood, and it has like on the ends of it buttons, so I could put it over my face on the hood and okay. then button it up like on my chin, so like it was a sleeping bag. Okay. I mean really like with a quilt, let's say you're you're sleeping on like a blow up pad. Like, your whole thing is, like, the the draft will come through. Right. And that's what people are so, like, worried about. But yeah. mine was so big, it, like, went over my tent. There was no way a draft could get through. So nice. it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. I'd probably look into that when I, if I, for my next one. Do, do you have any idea how much weight you save over a sleeping bag? Uh, I don't think it's a lot. I don't think it's good enough to justify, you know, switching. In my opinion, that's what I want. Or something. maybe how like much, an ounce. How much does a freaking zipper weigh? Maybe like a cliff, a cliff bar, <laughs> cliff bar difference or less. <laughs> Through hiker math, like a cliff bar difference. Pack of ramen. What'd you use for water filtration? I use uh, just the Sawyer Sawyer squeeze and the smart bottle, smart water bottle. I use a smart water bottle. <laughs> Say that. All of a sudden, everyone has a list. Smart water bottle. I have a smart wall ball. I use the same smart water bottle the entire trail. Are you serious? Yep, same exact one. Were you gentle on it, or is it? They it, don't seem to be that durable. I don't know. Maybe so. I had the uh, the Sawyer squeeze on the uh, knock bag, C knock bag, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So I always would uh, just you know, use that and then filter the water through. So I never had to crush up my smart water oh, bottle. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I had like sticker bombed my bottle. So like, it was so cool. It's <laughs> like a Nalgene. Yeah. Yeah. So I use that the entire way and mainly out of pride because someone told me they're like, I was like, I think I'm just going to take this the whole way because I was just so frugal. I didn't want to spend another money on another bottle. And they're like, no uh, way. Did you have to clean the threads or the threads get funky? Yeah, I did. I cleaned the threads and I would switch out bottle caps. Ah. Yeah, I'd find like a new bottle cap in the uh, hiker boxes. You're, you're smart. Yeah. I always felt bad for Nalgene. Like the Sawyer is just, I know the Nalgene's way more anyway, but it's like, that's the hiking bottle, man. Now everybody's got this little cheap little plastic thing you can get out of a garbage can. Does it like, my question is, does Smart Water Bottle and uh, the Talenti jar, like do they know that like, how big like the through hiker community is like that's what they use that's a good question most people are using the smart water bottle like think about those shoulder straps on backpacks like they're made for smart water bottles like that size yeah like if like they marketed to i don't know maybe you could uh reach out to them and they can sponsor your next adventure yeah huh (laughs) so uh you started april 19th 16th 16th yeah it's still kind of uh, winterish in North Georgia, Western North Carolina during that time. Do what kind of difficulties if 
or, or if any, did you have like in those few first few weeks, you know, getting started and getting uh, adjusted to, you know, the daily grind? Well, the weather was very, very good for my start date. Like I had just missed a rain, like a four day stretch period of rain. So I started and it was clear skies all the way through Georgia for me. Oh, wow. Well, besides one day, actually. I stayed at around the Ben Hostel, and that's when it rained. I stayed that day. I didn't get wet once, so when I was in Georgia. <laughs> wow, you're spoiled. I know. Well, <laughs> honestly, um, it was like that, I feel like, the whole way through the trail for me. Really? Yeah. Maybe like, you are the one. <laughs> Mimi's laughing in the Mimi, other room. Mimi's like, ah, oh, yeah. And then these are your grandparents. Yeah, you call them Mimi and Poppy. Mimi and Poppy. Yeah. Mimi's the fly in the wall that's, in the other room. That's funny. Well, I mean, like, so Vermont. You know, Vermont got that heavy rain. Mm-hmm. I had just missed that. Like, you know, the trail still sucked. Like it was all mud, but just missed that. Um, when I had to get off trail for an injury, was probably the worst stretch of like rain so when i got back on trail like clear skies again wow pretty pretty cool it, no it really was like well was what like, about this then at what point or was there a point when you're hiking along and you're like this is my life i get up hike i doing this i know what i'm doing i'm comfortable and everything's just wonderful um, probably once I got past that 80 mile mark and stepped into North Carolina, like I realized I was like, okay, this is now the furthest I've ever walked. Mm. I just entered into my home state and I'm like, dang, like, I was like, this is it right now, isn't it? Yeah. And I just remember having like an adrenaline rush and like, you know, just like, it was so surreal. I was like, this is, this is so sick. Cause there were so uh, many moments I would do that intro. Like I would just randomly be like, look around and be like. This is my life right now. Yeah, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, did you have uh, some favorite, like you said, you had those moments, but did those coincide with any, like, you know, landmark views or places or peaks or stuff like that? I think I think for uh, Franconia Ridge, I think once I stepped into New Hampshire, after, like, you know, you go through that stretch of, in Pennsylvania and such where you don't see that many views. And then it's like you get up Franconia Ridge. And I remember like me and like a couple other members of my family were just like, man, this is worth it. Like these views, like this is incredible. And I didn't think the Appalachian Mountains could look like that, you know, from around here. How like just yeah. how open it was. Because we don't get those views down here. Mm-hmm. Well, man, that's cr- I, I've never been there, but... um so many people have said that Franconia Ridge was their favorite spot. I think it's just like a reward. Um, what month is that in? Or miles, you know? Um, I, I think I was there in, yeah, August. It was, dang, I don't even know the miles. Pretty much that stretch of Franconia Ridge to Mount Washington, like that's easily hands down my favorite. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm jealous. Okay, how about a a low point or a section or spot that uh, was not good for you? 
Uh, my biggest low was probably in Marion, Virginia, when I I, was, I burnt my hand. Oh. So tell me about that. Me, me, and a couple other mem- members of my trail family, we did a big day. So I think we did about twenty twenty one miles, and it just started downpouring on us, and they wanted to go and get a hotel room to like split. And I was like, let's just go under the bridge or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, let's just do that. They're like, no, no, no. It'll be like 10 bucks a person if we split this red roof in. So I'm just like, all right, that sounds pretty good. I'm good with that. Was being frugal uh, kind of a theme for you? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And um, so I was like, oh, I'm okay with that. And we go. uh, We're just hanging out around like 12 a.m. I just wanted to make up like a batch of ramen. And I've been using the same fuel canister the whole entire trail till then, so it just ended out. I've been carrying one since uh, Fontana Dam, and I put it in my jet boil. It doesn't, you know, attach correctly, even though, like, it did. So I turn on my jet boil, and it sparks up as high as it could go. I'm like, it's kind of weird. So I go to turn it down. It's not turning down. And then next thing you know, here's like, it just sounded like the propane yeah. spewing out. And I was like, whoa, if that... You're inside the hotel room? I'm inside the uh, Red Roof Inn, like on the desk they have, <laughs> right by the window where the air conditioning is. <laughs> Oops. And next thing you know, it those two, the propane collides with the jet boil flame, and I've got this foot and a half flame built up, and I'm like, I, I got to get this out of here. Pick it up, run it outside of the hotel room, throw it out the door, and at that point, the flame... This I can't really remember, but they said it was like, I mean, what, three feet? Wow. Three feet tall this flame was. Wow. I mean, it pretty much exploded in my hand. and um, But you had to do it. It's like, yeah. you, you know, you had to run in and save the baby in the burning building. I felt like, you know, like Lord of the Rings? Yeah. You know, the Twin Towers uh, and Helm's Deep where the orcs coming to blow up the... <laughs> The wall. <laughs> That's what I looked like. I looked like that orc with the uh, the flame. I was running out with this propane fuel canister and just chucked it out. Just poof. And it was raining outside, so as soon as it went outside, it all kind of died down. You're like the guy in the war movies when somebody throws a grenade in the pit. You pick it up and throw it back. <laughs> I mean, imagine if I was in, like, a hotel. Ugh. Like, I'm, like, this was a red roof end, so, like, outside was yeah. when you open up the door. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a disaster. So... Basically, you're carrying the fireball out, yeah. and it's burning your hand as you're... Yeah, it, it burnt my hand. My entire, like, puffy sleeve was just disintegrated, and there was goose down floating all over the hotel room. Oh, man. And as soon as I did that, I ran to the sink, put cold water on it, and I did it so fast, I didn't get to feel the pain in between then. So I thought, I'm okay. I'm like, this is fine. And after a little while, I take out, and I mean, it felt like it was the worst experience of pain I've ever felt. Oh. So I'd immediately put it under water and it'd be fine. And after about an hour, I like started to like Google. I was like, how long should I have my hand under water if you burn it? They're like, no more than an hour. It's not good for you. So then I realized I probably should go get this checked out. And around like 1.30 a.m., I went, I decided I need to go to the urgent care. Walk downstairs. Me, It was me, Cool Dad, and Toto, a couple guys on my... Uh, tramway. We we're like, the, uh, the, let's see, the urgent care was only half a mile away. We saw this car knocked on the door and I, and I had the, I had my hand in a giant 
Ziploc gallon bag <laughs> and with, full of water. And it's these, these, these teenagers at 1.30 a.m., no telling what they're doing. We're like, hey, could, could you take me to the urgent care? Like, my hand is, like, burning and it's on fire. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, what? They're like, sure, sure. Get in the back. Like, what's your name? I'm like, I'm Neo. He's like, I'm cool, Dad. And, oh, man, we scared the crap out of them. That's funny. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I got there. I was at the urgent care till 2.30 a.m. They just bandaged me up and gave me some medicine. And like they drugged me up big time. Sent you on your way? Yeah, that was it. And I got back on the trail the next day. Wow. Yeah. How long did that take to heal? So I hiked with it for two weeks. Like that, I would put my hand up on my shoulder right where my water bottle like holder was and use it as like a sling because if I put it down, the blood rushed to it and it, just, oh, yeah. it didn't feel good. So I'd hike with it up. I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't pack up my gear. I could barely set up my tent. Were other people helping you? Yeah. And I think after the fifth day, I got surprisingly ahead of my trail family. And I just had random people I would meet on the trail, just asking them if they could tie my shoe and they could help me pack up my sleeping bag and oh, quilt. Like, I mean, it was... That's what I love about people. Or and, some and, people. And they would, <laughs> they would ask, like, I, I mean, someone saw me over there trying to change my bandages on my own with one hand and they came over and they helped change my entire bandages. And like, I mean, I had one and a half inch, two inch blisters on my fingers. Like, uh, it looked disgusting. And they didn't pop. They just stayed. No. Cause I, so I wrapped them up where I couldn't move my fingers and I never, like, I just, I didn't want to get an infection. I knew that'd take me off the trail. Yeah. So I hike with it for two weeks and I'm like, this is starting to hurt. Uh, it's not really healing. I need to see kind of what's going on. So I was going to go to another urgent care, but someone we were hiking with was like, hey, this doctor in Roanoke says that we could stay at his place. You want to come join? That's random. <laughs> Everything fell into place. Like, it really did. And he's like, I'll take a look at your hand. So he went and took a look at uh, my hand, and he asked me to bend my fingers, and I couldn't do it. And, like, he started calling, like, around, like, he said he called, like, hand surgeons and stuff. And they said that I need to, like, be exercising my hand or doing some physical therapy on it or, like, it could cause some serious damage. Mm. That's when I realized I probably need to take some time off trail. So I took, took a week off. Then a week wasn't enough, so I took two weeks off. And then after two weeks, the blisters had popped. I could move my fingers again. So, I mean, that's a month. And then wow. I got back on trail then. And at that point, I just wore, like, a sun protector sleeve. I still cannot hike with it. Did uh, did you go back home? Yeah. Yeah, so my mom uh, came and picked me up. Um, she only lived about two hours away from middle of North Carolina to Roanoke, Virginia. Were you, during this two weeks off, were you, like, jonesing to be back on the trail? You know, or what was, I mean, I can imagine there's some mental battles going on there. Dude, it was, it was terrible. Like, I told myself... I was not going to get post-trail, like, depression. Like, I was like, there's no way, like, that's a thing. Like, you got mid-trail? I, I did. Like, oh. I got off the trail and, like, I was just seeing everyone else, like, continue to, like, go further north. All these people I just met. And On social shared, media? Yeah, and shared yeah. all these experiences with, you know. I sort of had a trail family at that point, And they were just continued to go north. And I was just stuck on the couch. And I couldn't do anything to help my mom around. Like, I couldn't go outside because I didn't want any sun exposure to, like, my hand. I just sat on the couch like a bum, and it, it sucked. Uh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah like, I, like, I really did hate it. But that's when, like, I got back on trail. Like, I mean, I had an adrenaline rush for two weeks straight. 
Like I did, was just cranking did you, miles. Did you get back on the trail where you got off or did you yes. skip ahead? No, no. I got right, right back on where I, where I uh, got off in Roanoke. It's like mile 730. Did, did you, or would you consider yourself a purist? Or, no. no. So why not skip ahead to where your family was? Well, at least like, I knew I still had the time. Okay. Um, it was June 26th when I got back on trail. I knew I saw the time. I knew I could do big miles. So you're like, I'm back on the trail. Yeah. I'm going to catch them. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I, at that point I've been hiking in the bubble. So I'm seeing so many people, um, on the trail. And then I got, I get back on the trail and it's like, I don't see anybody. Mm. So it was kind of cool to get like that experience okay. too. You enjoyed that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, uh, so I mean, 20, 21 days it took me to catch back up to my trail family. So I had a nice period of time where I got to hike solo again, which I like. Were you able to be in touch with them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm coming for you or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we didn't like message or contact like a lot. Like, honestly, I would just see more like their social media posts and see like where they were. I'm like, I could probably get there. Like a carrot and on the stick, <laughs> like a PBR and a, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what was it like when you caught back up with them? It was pretty funny. So it was uh, Pennsylvania. I get a text message from Sunshade, who was in my trail family. And he's like, yo, if you make it to Duncannon tomorrow, we could come pick you up and we'll take you back to Cool Dad's house in Pennsylvania. They're staying there. And uh, they're fools. So, like, you know, it wasn't, I feel like, too hard to catch up with them. They're always doing side quests and stuff. Okay. Uh, so I was like, all right. So I look up on my map how far away Duncannon was. And it was like 25 miles. I, at that point, it was noon. And I had just done the half gallon challenge of ice cream. <laughs> and I was, bask- I was basking in the sun with like my shirt off and just like taking in the rays, like full of like 3,000 plus calories of ice cream. And I get this message make it to Duncan by tomorrow. <laughs> 25 ish miles. And I was like, they're like, there's a beer festival in Pennsylvania. I was like, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I boom, booked it off ice cream. And I hiked till like 1230 AM that night and I got up really early and I made it to Duncannon by like noon. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You feel like uh, in a Rocky movie. Da-na-na, da-na-na. It did. And um, I don't know if you know that the sort of that iconic hotel in Duncannon, you know what that's called? I forgot the name of it, but like I went in there and I got mm-hmm. a beer and they all came in and were like, Neo. <laughs> the one. Yeah. There he is. They're like, let's see your hand. And it looked great at that point. Like, I've, I still have, I have no scars or anything. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Well, let's talk about Tramley then, since we already kind of have. Like, what's the process, or what was the process for you like to kind of become a part of a Tramley? Is it like you wake up one morning and like, hey, we're all best buds? Or is it like a slower, organic process and you just end up together? It's got to be more than in the same pace yeah i met sunshade my second day on the trail and we kind of went back and forth with each other because we were honestly going the same pace and then after trail days started with a couple other guys like corn dog cool dad and all them they were their own tramley like those three and i kind of 
would me and Sunshade would sort of join in with them. And then after after trail days, because we all hung out at trail days. After trail days, we started to hike with each other because we were like, we need to slow down a little bit. We're going pretty quick. They all hiked in. We're like, we're going, we're going pretty quick on this thing. Like, just take it easy for a little bit. Right. And we all all kind of hiked together at that point. But I mean, part of me didn't want a tramley, and the other part kind of did. What what what's the what's the thinking of not wanting tramley? So I was at that, you know, I did this trail because it was like, all right, it's, this is this time to turn the chapter, you know, new stage in like life. So I wanted like a lot of time for thinking, solitude, like and ref- reflection. Okay. So that's why I started the trail that way. And, you know, I got to the point where like it was so hard to even think about your future because you're just thinking about that next step. Yeah. You know, there's the daily survival activities yeah, yeah. takes so, up all your brain. Yeah, it's just like, and then you meet some cool guys, and it kind of just, kind of just happened. But then it got to the point where I did want to be by myself again later on in the trail, and I told them like, I'm going ahead, guys. Like, if you catch up, like, cool. And like, went ahead. Like, I went ahead. Was that a? Is that like a breakup? Or I mean, is it? No, because Sunshade and Corn Dog. Caught, caught back up <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting off that easy <laughs> no i th- i think um i think they knew or at least i knew i just wanted to hike by myself and at that point i've been so on and off with having to get off trail and come back on and catching up to them and not being with them that like you know they kind of knew like that's how it just it was for me when you're in the tramley and all the activities going on and you're starting to feel that pull of wanting to be by yourself again does that show up in in certain ways like do you kind of find yourself withdrawing from the group a little bit more you know staying in your tent alone more or anything like that to are there are there clues and signs i don't think so i mean because like when we were like together you know it's just oh it's like a good time like there's like i think it was just a personal like thing like I like I knew I needed to be by myself. Like I needed this time in the woods. Like for me, if I ever needed to figure anything out, whether when I was in school or just after the trail, I knew if I grab my backpack and go on a one night trip, you know, I'd figure so much out in that time by yeah. myself. Gotcha. So I just knew I needed that time for reflection with myself, honestly. Do you or have you kept up with those people? Yeah. Um I actually just booked a flight to Manchester. I'm going to do the West Highland Way Trail in Scotland with uh, Corn Dog and Hot Feet and another guy. So, I mean, on the trail. So that's pretty exciting. That is cool. Yeah. Do you have a favorite hostel? Um, I didn't really... I never once bought a hostel. What? Stay besides camping in their yard. Is that um, just you being frugal again? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I like doing things like if I could do this as cheap as possible. Yeah. And also I was like, I just bought this $700 tent. Like I'm going <laughs> to use it. <laughs> I'm going to get my money. I mean, I might have gotten my money back by not staying in hostels and hotels. Yeah. You know, and using my tent. But I mean, I loved being in my tent. Like I loved it. Yeah. Like I really did. Are you a gear guy? Like, do you like this tent and the stove and all that stuff? No. No. Is it more about just you being... Uh, having your own personal space and time. I think I think that 
there's just an adventure factor like to it of challenging myself. Like we'd go into towns and we'd sleep in the woods behind McDonald's, Mm. (laughs) you know, like we go get, we'd have the McDonald's app and you get the free deal of the day of the McDonald's app. (laughs) And then you go set up as soon as sun goes down, we're going in the woods behind McDonald's. Yeah. That's part of the fun, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, it was. I mean, but hostels are too. I think I stayed at, um, I liked, shoot. And I barely remember the names of them. Uh, Four Pines Hostel in Virginia. I mm. loved that one. Um, I remember uh, that's a fairly new one, right? I'm not too sure. Um, I know. So it's it's donation based. Okay. And uh, oh yeah, I mean, like I I like walked in and like she had like chili and cornbread. And everyone was just hanging out. She had like eight couches in this garage and everyone's just sitting on the couches with these bunk beds. And I was like, this is sick. <laughs> were, they, were they previous hikers? Do you know? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Can't remember the older lady's name. I just know she was a Tennessee fan because she had some Tennessee stickers. So that's kind of one reason why I like the place. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, food, like hiker trash food? Do you have any... Um, Favorite dishes, recipes, or anything you can pass on to other people? I started off the trail carrying a stove. And then eventually I just slowly gravitated towards like cold soaking or just like making whatever I could throw on a tortilla. Was that just like during the warm weather? Yeah. So I didn't want to use my water to clean my pot and I didn't want to use, you know, pretty much like that. Use my water to cook with, cook and clean. I just wanted to drink the water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell me some cold soak. All right, so dishes. Here's this was by far my favorite thing on trail that I would make. It'd be a tortilla, cold soaked, uh, instant mashed potatoes. I guess I mean, it's really just rehydrating the instant mashed potatoes in the bag. Stir it up, and it made two nice tortilla sides because that mashed potatoes is a lot. Like flavored or just plain? No flavored. I think. The Hidden Valley Ranch. I remember buying it. Really? The, the lady was like, this one is the, like, this is the best. It was the Hidden Valley Ranch instant mashed potatoes at Dollar General, I remember getting. And, but anyways, all right. So instant mashed potatoes on a tortilla with whatever cheese I had in my pack at the time. Like, typically be like Gouda or, um, I had horseradish cheese at one point. They had that in New York. So you have a fancy side. Yeah. And like the horseradish cheese was the ticket. I mean, you could get like two of them for four bucks at the, the grocery stores at that point. So I carried a lot of cheese. And then, you know, to, to add some texture and stuff, I'd throw like Cheetos or Doritos, whatever chip I had. And a mayonnaise packet. Always add a mayonnaise packet to everything. God, it sounds terrible. It's pretty good. But I mean, honestly, if you gave it to me right now, it'd probably be disgusting. But when you're out I'm gonna, there, it's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that on a little... TikTok video. I got so much hate for doing the instant mashed potatoes cold. But like, I mean, I remember Thanksgiving the day after I'm eating like, you know, all the cold food and cold mashed potatoes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It yeah. tastes exactly the same. Uh, Cough Drop and Dragonfly, who hiked in 2022, told me that they would go to Dollar General and get like the flavored potato chips of different varieties, crunch them up into a powder and use that as seasoning. Like on their tortillas yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a, it's the ticket. You need that texture switch when it's you're just biting into and some mashed potatoes. <laughs> what about hot food? You have a favorite hot food? 
when I could find it, I actually really liked couscous when I was cooking it. I was eating couscous in the beginning a lot. And Annie's mac and cheese, those two. I would go back and forth between those. In couscous, you basically can just bring it to a bowl and take and it off. And it's done. Yeah, it took two seconds. you add other flavors to it, or do you get one that's already Yeah, flavored? I mean, you would if you opened up my food bag right now, you'd find a Ziploc baggie that was just like four sauces I would find in hiker boxes. So, I mean, like Arby's sauce. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell sauces were probably the, those were like the best. And then if you could find a Chick-fil-A sauce packet, like that was like the holy grail. Did you ever walk into a fast food restaurant, not buy food, just get sauces? Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. I'd, and I'd walk into... Uh, That's what they get. They put them right out there in front. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in uh, we went into New York City, and we went to Chick-fil-A, and they had the sauces laid out. And next to the mayonnaise, they had the honey roasted barbecue sauce. I may have grabbed like 20. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like the co the coworkers just like, or the worker is just seeing me like pull out my food bag and throw like 20 packets of the sauce. Did anybody ever try to stop you or say anything to you? No, they were probably just shocked. Like, what is this dude doing? Did you just say you went into New York City? Yeah. Like a side adventure? Yep, we did. What it was, was like? uh, It was Toto's 21st birthday. We got oh. an Airbnb. Did you take the train in from, mm-hmm. uh, where, where's that? Oh, uh, Pauling. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we, we took the train in from Pauling, and we spent like four days, went to a Yankees game. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. So you just ride the train in, straight up hiker trash, and just go find a hotel? I mean, is it that easy well, to do? Well, we got an Airbnb. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, Airbnb. It was an um, Airbnb in the Bronx. Dude, get this. So we, we roll up in the Bronx, and I go into the Airbnb, Slide my pack, like get everything checked in, and we're just like, all right, let's let's go grab like a beer, like something, you know, at the corner store. So we go, you know, get like a beer, probably a PBR, and I'm walking down the street, and I somehow just get lost from everyone else. <laughs> I didn't know where I was. I'm just in the middle of the Bronx, and I'm just walking around with a brown paper bag PBR. <laughs> <laughs> and I turn the corner and there's these kids playing with the fire hydrants. Like they had broken open the fire hydrants and they're spraying out everywhere. Yeah. Wow. wow. And I'm just walking around with the beer in my hand, just like the parents are all right there. And I just walk over and just kind of hung out with them for a minute. It's like an old school rap video. <laughs> it was hilarious. But I mean, it was awesome. Like, yeah, we went to the Yankees game. You could take the train everywhere. Um, was it, it kind of sketchy or no? no? I don't think so. I feel like I'd be overwhelmed after being in the woods for so long and then going into New York City. I, mean, it, I felt like I'd be overwhelmed. It's definitely a culture shock. But, like, it was cleaner than I thought New huh. York City was. I mean, everyone's telling you, like, oh, it's disgusting. Like, you're going to, like, the city. You're going to see rats everywhere. I did see one. But um, it was funny. We actually ran into another hiker group really? by chance in Manhattan. Do you can't, can you like recognize each other from across the street? They did. They saw us. He <laughs> was like, "Booch." <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Okay, let's get further up the trail, but first let's crack another beer. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> this PBR number two. Yeah. It's the outside ambient temperature, which is what, 20 degrees? Perhaps blue ribbon. I know, it's probably freezing. Mm, that is cold. <laughs> Hut's in the truck. Hating me right now. I think we talked about this, but I hated PPR before the trail. Before the mm-hmm. trail? But you just drank so much on the trail, yeah. it's like you got a taste for corn, it. Corn, dog, corn dog's from Wales. 
and he wasn't familiar with any of these beers. And he has one PBR, and he goes, this is quite nice. <laughs> and he like, dude, he loves PBR. So that's all he wanted to drink. He's like, you got to get a PBR. You got to get a PBR. So I drink PBR. And like, I had one. I was like, wait, this, this isn't that bad. And yeah. then I was back, boom, back on the wagon, back on the PBR train. I used to drink it a lot and then um, worked at a brewery and got snooty. But then when I hut got us fired from that job, so then I got beer pour again and started back with PBR and Coors. But um, as long as it's cold, it's fine. And these are cold. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> these are good. These are uh, Western North Carolina cold. So let's get on up the trail a little ways. A lot of people that I have talked to have a moment where they start to realize that this adventure's almost over. And then they either are like, yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. Or there, there's some kind of sadness that, oh crap, I'm not ready for this to be over. Did you have any kind of realization like that? Yeah, like definitely. Um, we knew when we got into Maine that, we were not in a time crunch. Like, we had plenty of time on our hands. We were shooting for around, first we said, like, September, like, 20th, and then we moved it to September 30th. We were like, let's just really just take this easy. Honestly, the whites beat me up big time. I mean, you go from, like, big miles to 10-mile like days. And Was it the weather? No, it was just so hard. Oh. Like, it was, like, it's so hard, and it, it tore me to pieces mentally. Like, I, there was times in the whites where I was like, Man, like I'm ready. Honestly, I'm almost ready for this to be done. And then you get into Maine, start to get easier a little bit again after Southern Maine. Then you're just like, you know, I love this. This is great. You know, it's a little bit more like flat. You're hearing the loons and the ponds and everything. And you, did you ever have a moment where you were like thinking about quitting? No, never, never crossed my mind once. Nice. Mm -mm. But like we were like, all right, let's have, we have time on our hands. Like I'm like, I don't have anything to do after, so let's just prolong this out. So we just were like, all right, September 30th, that's when we'll shoot to finish. And, we, and you and starting April 16th, you were that's you were making good time. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that like today. Um, I mean, considering I took way well over 30 days of zeros from the injury and having to get off trail and just hanging out that. I guess I was doing a lot better time than I really thought. It took me five and a half months, but with all that time, I guess I was doing good. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, tell me about that again. When you when you said you slowed down, mm -hmm. um, did you get to that? Did you have that moment when you're like, I'm not ready for this to end? I I kind of was ready for it to end. Like, I had gotten so content with the trail and what it gave me, and I was looking very much forward to my future, like moving out to Western North Carolina here, being in the mountains. Like I said, I felt like I was turning this new, new page in my life, this new chapter. Did you make that decision on the trail or did, or, or had you already decided that when you finish you're coming to Western? Yeah, I knew prior. I knew prior okay. I was going to come here, but I didn't really know what I was going to do when I got here. Um, but I knew towards when I was in Maine, I was like, I'm going to do another through hike. You know, so I was like, that's it. Let's finish this out. Let's just soak it all in. Enjoy every day. When it ends, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy with that. So. Did you know what through hike? Or are you just like, I just know I'm going to go do another big thing. 
Yeah, early on, I wanted to like just go right away and do the Te Aurora in New Zealand, just like immediately finish and kind of take a month or two and then go off there. But then I was like, no, I need I need some time to process, you know, finishing this trail. Like, I mean, you're out there for five and a half months. You kind of need some time to reflect on it. Uh, I think that's very important. So I was like, I th- the CDT sounds pretty nice. That's kind of kind of fits who I am. I feel like as a trail. So how so? Uh, Rem- the, remoteness. Yeah, the the, the solitude. Um, there's a wild factor, honestly, when you go out west. You know, at the jagged like peaks. Like I love our mountains, love Appalachia, and I gained a tremendous. Uh, amount of respect for our mountains and our culture around them uh, by being on the trail. But I mean, just going out West, you kind of think, I like, I don't know. Like I think of all, like, like I think of Daniel Boone, you know, going like making his way to Kentucky, then Missouri. And then he went off, you know, to the Yellowstone like once on a six month trip. And like, he always like, Oh man, there's mountains out West. He's like, as like an American, like frontiersman, yeah. They always, you know, looked west. Yeah, I think about Jeremiah Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, it's I, so stunning out there. I and but I, I kind of feel the same way as like those mountains are so beautiful and stunning, but you can't live in them and on them like you can in Southern Appalachia. And I, I will never, I, I, I will never live anywhere else but Appalachia. Like the, the intimacy of the landscape here yeah. is, means a lot to me. Yeah, this feels like home. I think it's another. I was ready to, you know, finish the trail and come here because, like, this felt like home for me. And that's a big change from, you know, Eastern North Carolina insurance salesman to living with your grandparents in, yeah, a, a, literally a holler in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this is kind of middle of nowhere, Western North Carolina. One hundred percent. I mean, like, we got the wood stove going. I still sleep in my sleeping bag at night. Like, nice. it's great. <laughs> and and your grandfather said this was his father's mm-hmm. or grandfather's cabin? That's correct, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been, it's been in the family. And I definitely have, like, a special connection to this place. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd always come here. It's just like, I need a Mimi biscuit. <laughs> she makes some bomb biscuits, man. <laughs> Does she make cat head biscuits? Uh, no, she just, they're, they're actually, they're a little smaller because cat heads are like the big ones, right? Yeah. 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 Now they're a little smaller. That's cool. What about the hundred mile wilderness? What was that like for you? Um, so I hung out at Shaw's for about three days. Uh, we were debating on doing like the resupply in between and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, that takes away from the experience of the hundred mile. And, um, so I didn't do that. It was it was nice. It was nice because there's a period in the hundred mile where it does kind of get flat, and you don't really have to look down at your feet while you're walking, and you could look around. And it's kind of it was kind of like being in the hundred mile was like, all right, this is it. And then you see Katahdin for the first mm-hmm. time, and and that forest feels so alpine. It's gorgeous, yeah. man. It's so beautiful. Maine was so beautiful. Going, like being able to go to sleep every night and you hear the loons. I had a funny story with the loons. All right. I didn't really know what a loon was. There was just talks about them. And me and Corndog were walking when the trails finally started to get flat. And I can't remember what the mountain was when we came down it, but it's like getting all excited. We're looking out for moose. And we hear like this call out in the distance. And he's like, 
what is that? And I was like, oh, sounds like some kids like playing on like the beach or something like that. Like, you know, cause there were people at the parking lot and we get closer and closer. And it's just, just insane call. Like almost sounds like an elk bugle. Huh. And we get closer and closer and I could see, we could see them out there, man. The loons, they were massive and they were doing their call and everything. And I was like, this may be my favorite part of the trail wow. was hearing those loons call. And then every night after that, clear skies, so many stars, and you could just hear the loons echoing through the ponds. I mean, dude, it was special. Like, it was special. Like that movie <laughs> on Golden Pond. <laughs> That's an old one. I, lo- I mean, the, the loons are incredible, though. What about when you got to A-Ball? Were you stressed out about, you know, getting a spot inside of Baxter and all that, like a lot of people are? No. Um, we hung out there. uh you know, slept slept in while everyone was getting up at like three a.m. to be the first ones there, nice. and got to uh, the register part, and it was all filled up. And you know how like there's no spots. Like once it's filled up, like that's it. Yeah, yeah. Or at least for that. Yeah, day. the camp ranger like calls like the campgrounds. Like, yeah, we got an extra spot. Y'all want it? And we took it. So it was like four or five of us that we slept in, walked up to the ranger station, somehow got an extra camp spot. <laughs> Neo strikes I'm again. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It, everything fell in place. Let's talk about your summit day. Yeah, summit day was good, man. It was like everything like I wanted it to be. Uh, did you get up early for sunrise or did you just get up and go? No, I think we got up, you know, normal time. It was like 7 a.m., uh, we were cowboy camping in the little parking like spot and went to the ranger station, got our tag, uh, and then headed on up. I mean, we weren't really on like a time crunch. I think I summoned it around 11 a.m., but it was super smoky from some can- the wildfires in Canada. But that didn't really like take away from the experience. But I mean, get up there and corn dog kind of gets ahead and they all like go ahead and it's just like me, like. So I kind of had this like a little bit like alone time filling up my, my Sawyer at that point, which was just a drip. So it took like 30 <laughs> minutes to fill up my water bottle. It was like, I was like, oh, the last time <laughs> filling up the did, water. Did you get emotional? Yeah, I did. Um, so I was walking, it was about half a mile and I see this family sitting on like a rock just right off the trail and this like... The little boy and like the family's like sitting like crisscross applesauce that like he was almost like meditating. Okay. I think he was. I'm not too sure. But like I walk over and like the mom was like, Are you an Appalachian Trail through hiker? And I was like, Yeah. I don't think I had to say anything. I mean, dude, at that point, yeah. shaggy beard, long just hair all messed up. I mean, I had holes in my shirt, my shoes were all holy. And I was like, Yeah. And then you know, they asked me like just a bunch of the basic details of like, when did I start, you know, whatnot. And then like, she turns and she's like, when you look up like to the top up there, what does it feel like? And I turn and I look and I'm like, turn back. It feels good. And they just are staring at me. Like you're not being honest or like you're holding back. I don't think I really thought about it. You know, that like, that was it. I don't think I wanted to think about that, even though, like I said, I kind of was fine with it being done, but maybe I, maybe I didn't want to. And I, and I, I know they wanted me to say some more words. Like, that's what they wanted. They're like, I, it feels good like that. Like they wanted something more They profound. wanted something more. And 
that right, that moment right there, just, I, I just had to like, I, th- I just thought more and I just thought about like, how even though this was like the end, I was like so excited for the next step in my life. Like it was an end to start a new beginning mm-hmm. and it was so, so just like what I needed right there just to talk to that family. And I remember the mom sitting there and looking at me and the little girl looks up to the mom and goes, mommy, why is he crying? Oh, <laughs> And she, and she goes, she goes, well, he just spent five and a half months, walked over 2,000 miles to get to this one spot. And the kids just started to look at me like different that way. And I yeah. see their eyes change and that's the, the wonder filled in their eyes. Wow. And the next half mile I walked up to the top, man, I was just in tears, dude. And I got up there and at that point I dried them off, got excited. We were all hooting and hollering and... I see the family come up again and the little boy is just still just eyeballing me and we're sitting, you know, we're just hanging out and I see him start to get closer and closer like to me and like, just, just looking at me, like, you know, you just tell he's just taking it all in, like, like five and a half months, 2000 miles. Like what, what, what did he just do? And I remember being on my first backpacking trip, uh, on the Appalachian trail was my first backpacking trip on the, um, in the Smokies. And seeing the white blaze for the first time mm-hmm. and just being like, dang, like I got to do this one day. I was like, surely I'll do this one day. And at that point, I didn't know I was going to do it, you know, like four years later. But was it, um, I mean, do you feel like a badass? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to tell yourself you're a badass, honestly, because you are, you, yeah. you like you earn it. Like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it was um it was like the end I needed, you know, with these just complete strangers that really just mm. wrapped it all up for me. Yeah, that's like a movie script where they just appear and like say the exact right thing at the exact right moment. Yeah, like I like I don't think they understand like how much like I needed that cuz it felt like a closure and that I needed to start like this next ne- the next chapter of where I'm going to be. Wow. That's so cool. It was awesome. So, you know, earlier we talked about you had some mid-trail depression when you had to get off when you burned your hand. After you completed the trail, did you experience anything like that then? Or were you all gung-ho for this new turning of the page and just, you know, full steam ahead? After the trail, I was filled with just like my creative side just like was on fire and it still is right now that I've had so much time to express that. And then how do you express it? Um, I started to carve a little bit. Like I did that little trout over there. Um, Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. And you know what? It, what's really cool is like art's pretty big and like my family, like on my mom and dad's side, like my poppies, like he carves and stuff like that. So you know, I feel like it's in my blood and like now, like having this time to be able to just express that and find this part inside of me, you know, that I knew I had, but I wasn't expressing it. Yeah. It's been, it's been like really awesome. So I've just been like sketching a little bit too, just like drawing and stuff that's like that. Cool. Um, that's a long way from an insurance sales. Right. I've said this before. And so tell me what you think <clears throat> is I kind of have this belief that Adventures like this, like the Appalachian Trail, 
overextended amounts of time, extreme difficulties physically and and mentally, that they don't necessarily change people so much as it provides a context to reveal what's already there. Is that is that ring does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. I like I think this I think the second part's right. Like I think honestly a lot of people are going to change, but for me it was just, you know, breaking out like, you know, who is Griffin actually? Like and it was that inspiration like I needed to allow that person, I guess, to like to to, you know, say like, hey, let's be this guy, you know, you know, you wanted to be him. Right. Yeah. And then now having the Appalachian Trail, that experience for such a long time immersed in that environment and around yeah. other people being that guy, you want to come back and like, that's just who I want to be. That's cool. I think you have to do it that way. I, I believe if you're, you're in it in the, like say business world or whatever, there's no gradual way out. You have to jump off the train. Yeah. I mean, I'm told this whole entire time I'm in school, the get your degree, maybe do an internship, go work, go find that corporate job in Atlanta or Nashville, and then boom, you, you did it. Work your way up from there. And, like, that's what I was told. Yep. But I didn't, that's how I grew up. And it, it added on to that was get married as soon as possible yeah. and have kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I think people are going to love this because – just to see somebody be able to make that transformation uh, and to be here where you are right now. I'm looking around at the stuff in this cabin, this, uh, you know, the watch and the old books and the, the 3030 above the door and the old baseball hats. It's like, I mean, this is kind of like uh, paradise for. Yeah. And I always have so many people that come up here. I came up here and brought my friends up here in college, and they're just like, this is what I want. You know? But they don't know how to get here. Yeah, they don't know how to get here. I don't know if they feel intimidated by it or if... I think a lot of people are afraid of the lack of security. I think this also goes against everything, our culture right now. Like ambition-wise? Yeah. Yeah. Everything, like, we're told, like, you know, I love, I love being up here. I like, this is, this is my favorite spot, like, the cast iron skillets, seeing up here, here, and, like, mm-hmm. my Mimi talk about, like, you know, the stories behind them, like, them passed down from their family, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah. stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, those things are, like, a hundred years old, Yeah, probably. and I think, like, honestly, being on, like, the trail with the sense of having the solitude, but then coming back and having that community that the Appalachian Trail has— makes you realize it's like, man, that's it. You know, it's like, why do the people love the trail that much? Because the community is so good. True. It is. It's very good. Yeah, most people say that, that the it's the people. Yeah. The trail is the trail. It's the people. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to newbie hikers? Um, I, I am in all the Facebook groups, you know, for AT stuff, and there's so many fear-based questions. What would you tell somebody that aspires to do something epic like that but has those fears? Like, do it now. Like, seek adventure now. Like, 
you do not need a lot to go out in the woods. I mean, it, start small, like go out on a day hike. Don't wait till retirement? No, do it now. Like if you really, if you really, really want to do something and like you're passionate about it, like I really think you should just find any way that, to get involved with it as early as you can and work your way up from there. A day hike could turn into a weekend hike. Weekend hike could turn into a multi-day hike. At that point, you're comfortable. You're starting to get a little bit of your gear figured out. And then gear doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't. True. To really backpack. I mean, I see people out there and they made it the whole way and I can't believe it with what they had in their back. And it's, it's expiring really because it's like you said, it's just like go out now with what you got. I think that's something that the Appalachian Trail and probably other trails like that or adventures like that teach you is that you don't have to see the end. You don't have to plan this whole thing, and it's it's not even possible to do so. You just start walking, and whatever challenges come up, you deal with them, and it just reveals itself along the way. And I think the trail is like such like a metaphor for that, like so many people start the trail with zero experience and look what at the end they're an expert like they're a pro at it exactly so because they because they started it and they did it now they faced those fears they did it and they learned along the way that's cool so you're gonna hike the cdt yeah yeah that's the plan this year this year this year this year i mean this is where this is uh Middle of January. Middle of January. I'm going to do the Continental Divide Trail uh, southbound. So I'll start Canada, Montana border, and head to Mexico. Was that something that, I mean, did did your experience on the AT spark that? Oh, yeah. Big time. I think I was... I don't know, a month into the trail when I was already like, I'm going to do another one. Okay. Is it safe to say that your lifestyle moving forward will be adventure-based, work, get money, go do adventure? Are you, are you going to, like, settle down? Shoot, I don't know. That's a really good question because I feel like I'm ready for both. Um, but I do like adventure. <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to all the episodes, but the uh, one with um, – Burn and Gypsy, you know, they, they, uh, they didn't really have experience either, except for hiking in New Hampshire. But when they finished the trail, they became homesteaders. And now they're on this whole different journey that is very similar to the hiker community, living simply and all this stuff. But they're in Maine, you know, living out of, living out of a little cabin and, and kind of living off grid and off the land. And, um, you know, my mom does that a little bit. She kind of has like a little homestead and she homeschools and does all that. I feel like it's part of me. Like, you know, that definitely draws to my attention. I want to have land definitely in the future. I don't know when. Or where? Uh, Western North Carolina, maybe. <laughs> Appalachia, dude. Maybe you'll be right here. I know. I, I, I love this area. I really do. Like, it feels so good being here. And every morning I get to like... I. I think everyone needs time after the trail to really process it. Like, I feel bad for the people that as soon as they finish, like, they go right back to a job. Because mm. I've learned so much over this past three months. Just in the moment on the trail, I didn't know what that was teaching me, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, yep. but like now, like, that I look back at it and stuff, I'm like, oh, so that's what that was. Yeah. 
it was really cool to pull up here in the middle of nowhere on this little farmstead and you're out in the yard playing frisbee with the dog and <laughs> i like 20 degree weather with a windshield of 10 degrees and he just wants yeah. to play man <laughs> uh, what else do you have anything else to share say ask tell i think kind of going back to the advice uh thing uh i think adventure doesn't have to be this like big appalachian like trail like grand out you don't have to take this much time out of your life to have like adventure um, you could find anything around you where you live if you really look into it. If you find a place to camp around your area, maybe like ride a bike there and camp there, you know, like that's what I've been trying to do myself, like trying to learn, take the stuff that I learned from the trail and like apply it to like my life now. Simplicity, finding like adventure around here. Like I want to like do a backpacking trip where I start from my front door here and go to Asheville. Oh, wow. Yeah. It'd be like a hundred mile round trip. Oh, cool. But I can go from here to the Blue Ridge Parkway and walk the parkway on the mountain to sea trail to Asheville. So I'm trying to incorporate like all these like different like yeah. things of like be like creative, make it a little different. Yeah. Maybe only eat like one food. <laughs> Just add a little wild factor into it, a little spark. <laughs> Potato flake tortillas. Potato flake yeah. tortillas. That is good advice. I like that. I really do like that because and I think that's I I relate to that as a creative person. A creative person will find a way to be creative. And one of my favorite quotes from an old uh, early 1900s art professor called Robert Henry, and he's one of the things he said is, and of course everything back then was sexist, you know, all the writings and stuff, but he said, if a man, but I'll just change it to a person, if a person has something to say, they will find a way of saying it. And the same thing, I think that applies to what you're talking about with adventure. If you have a thirst for adventure. Yeah, yeah allow yourself to be creative like that. Like, allow yourself to do it. That's awesome. Neo, you're the one. Hey, man, thanks for being on here. Yeah, I really appreciate your perspective uh, and how, you know, just visually I can imagine or I can see where you are now and then imagine where you were before. And it looks, it looks really good on you. Um, but thank you for being a guest and I hope to run into you in the future. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining us today on the hiker trash podcast. If you'd like to support this project, you can go buy a coffee table book or a fine art print. You can do it at our website, localexposuremagazine.com. You can show some love to Scott Lowe. He provided the music for today's episode. You can find him on Instagram at Scott Lowe Songs. Hey, if you enjoy this, tell someone. Send them a text, make a post, talk about it. And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.